It's another TX Water Polo Podcast. Joe Linehan is, you know, we should do video, Joe, because I I know you're in San Antonio. Nobody wants to see us. No, no, yeah. not to, but it's just for you and me as if we were sitting in the same studio. You keep talking to me like I'm Mike Francesa. Well, you know, he and Russo, they s- sat next to each other, and I'll bet you if they still had that stupid show that they would be on Zoom and uh, they would be able to see each other so they can see reactions. But. I- I do say that you look like Mike Francesco, yeah. but just like my yeah, just like Mike and the Mad Dog, yeah. we both have faces for radio. So oh no, f- no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Um, yeah, and I'm James Smith in Austin. So there you go. Um, right. Well, there, it's there's a, not a whole lot. Oh, I was going to say not a whole lot to talk about. That's not a, exactly true. It's just that the subject matter is actually focused on. I would say one particular thing, which is that the um, Texas Challenge Cup took place over the last weekend in North Texas. You and I were both there, of course, and uh, yeah. coaching yeah. and uh, yeah. doing more. A great event. I mean, it, it was great. I mean, again, I'm, I'm just really up to see the kids playing and competing. And there were some challenges kind of to the tournament, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. I, well, challenge. It, it, it's. So I'm there as well, like uh, interested in the way that my team performs. They went to my 14 and under boys went two and two could have been better, but you know, I'm not dissatisfied. Um, but also it's just clear, uh, as an observer, as a, you know, writer, as a podcaster about how the tournament is actually run and then how that can be conveyed in other, you know, arenas. And it's really the second tournament in the state of Texas, I would say since, um, and I mean tournament because there's been other competitions, but it's the second tournament that's taken place since, you know, all of this broke down. And I think people are just really looking for answers to how is it that we can run something in, I don't know, Idaho or wherever else that would conform to whatever our local requirements are, but also, you know, just be straight up effective. Well, I just think you got to be very, very clear on what your safety guidelines are and kind of what your procedures are. And you need to make sure that everybody... Like you have to work with your facility to make sure that everyone knows, like dot the I's, cross the T's, and you know it's you have to have lots of volunteers. Um, like you know the tournament down in Austin had only had two spectators. The tournament this past weekend had zero spectators because it was indoors, and it was two courses at the same location as opposed to only one course at 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 one location. So, yeah. I mean, it's just you have to be very precise, and it might it might be, and it's very difficult to do it. But you know, you just have to get your people out there and do it. I think the interesting is the thing is the case study because I, I actually don't know what the formatting was in the tournament in Florida this last weekend. Although you know, from what I've heard, and I spoke with uh, Michael Rondazzo, the writer, earlier about that, and he said that things went well. And he wrote a big piece on that in Swimming World magazine about the three tournaments that had been sort of in the last couple of weeks. But Utah. They had copious testing and essentially almost like a bubble, like a short-term bubble. And so the question is, and there's, you know, it's, it's cool. People are experimenting with how it is that these tournaments are going to take place under these conditions. And, and so there's no, I would say there's no right or wrong answer yet. It's, it's just people reaching out to find ways to do this effectively. Um, and so Utah is one case study and Texas is another. And so this is stuff that should and needs to be shared with the rest of the country about how to proceed, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, like the Utah case, I'm glad that they got their tournament in because I believe that Utah kind of closed back up a little bit. Right. As far as what they were able to do, as far as, you know, kind of face-to-face contact, et cetera, the week after. So, um, but yeah, they decided to do a bubble and, um, that, and that to me, I mean, that I chose not to do that, you know, whenever we ran the central Texas festival, um, just because that seemed to added expense and I wanted teams to be playing. So, yeah. 
Um, and not and not to say what I did was right or what they did was right or wrong. No, or whatever, of course. But, That's the but thing. Like, you know, um, but they but they did show that you can make it happen though, and yeah. teams are willing to do it. So, I said, yeah, and that's and that and that's one thing that I didn't think teams or parents would be willing to do, but that just kind of shows us that they are. And also that I thought that uh, I don't know the parents in Texas might have different attitudes of those elsewhere, but I think there's a, I think there's a decent consensus. And actually, it's too simplistic to say that you know that in our state parents feel this way or the other. I spoke to a coach uh, yesterday who was like. Yeah, my team is about 60% say we want to compete full force. And then there is 40 or, I don't know, whatever the ratio was that just say, I don't want anything to do with anybody who's even close to this to this uh, infection. So, um, But that obviously, and we can talk about this, there are five teams from California who were in Texas this last weekend, and they were all itching to find a place to go play. And so clearly their parents, their organizations felt that the – the, the remedies, or at least the uh, whatever format is going to take place to try to keep people from getting infected, were good enough, and uh, they trusted the process. And I think they had good reason to, um, but I think you're going to probably see more who want. I, well, you can even speak to tags because you're helping, or at least or, you're the you're organizing that tournament. And I think you've already gotten feelers from teams that want to come and play um so it's it's clear that the the rules that are put in place in texas are 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 popular enough that people want to come but maybe you can speak to what it is we learn from the texas challenge cup what's going on in utah what happened in florida for whatever is going to happen uh in the, the rest of the the uh year for texas so i had a parent down at the central texas festival that i that, that i've known for a couple of years and and then she came up to me and just and just kind of told me, I go, and then she was like, thank you so much for hosting the tournament. Yeah. I'm like, great. And I go, yeah, I know the rules are, are, are a little strict. And she goes, we would not have come if there weren't right. And as long as you put the rules, like if you just said, this is a regular tournament, just come. I don't think these teams would be coming. No. They need to know that, okay, we are willing to play, but we do want some parameters in place. And that's, and that's, and that's the key thing there is they, is like, you need to have the good parameters in place that make the people that are coming feel comfortable. Yeah. But the whole, but no matter what we do, there are going to be people that are going to be mad that we're playing. Yep. There are going to be people that are very happy that, that we're playing, you know, and it's going to be all over the spectrum, no matter what. And, um, I am looking forward to, to hosting tags again, for those that don't know, that's a, that's a yearly tournament that is normally hosted in April. It was postponed four times and we're finally doing it here. <laughs> that's in right. September. I and uh texas age group championships by the way because i i forget myself yeah yeah and so and yeah there were a couple teams from out of state that wanted to come and i said um sorry you can't come and because i wanted to keep it for these texas club teams yes we and we're very limited on how many teams can enter we're only going to have 20 total teams um and um we're going to be we're almost at that uh we we uh, we only have a couple more slots left in the entire tournament already. You so. saw that I signed up yesterday, didn't you? I did. Okay, yeah. Did. Ninth grade and seventh grade, we're going. Aquatex will be there after a little pressure from texting. So there you go. <laughs> well, I have some uh, I have other coaches that I have to consult about this. The fourteen and under thing, or well, what I call the fourteen and under, the ninth grade and under was a done deal. But the seventh grade, we got to go. That's yesterday. great. The more yeah. the merrier. Um, yeah, let's go. Is there well, any? Yeah. Is there anything that you're going to draw from the, uh, your experience at uh, Texas Challenge Cup and the Central Texas Festival? that you might change, like that might be slightly different for tags that you think 
think like can be improved? The, so we're doing the tournament for tags at the East Side Aquatic Center. So the rules were slightly different between the East Side and West Side Aquatic Centers this past weekend. One thing that we're going to do differently probably is East Side Aquatic Center, you left your stuff up in the stands. Yes. They're probably going to bring the stuff with them and put them behind the your bench. Sort of the set, like we did at uh, Central Texas yeah. Festival. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then because of it might be a little colder outside, you can't just shove the teams out like, <laughs> like, like out the door and make them have a meeting in 30 degree weather or something like that. So we're probably going to have to set up some post game meeting areas. Okay. So, and that's, and that's, but I think Thunder did a great job, you know, um, the weather cooperated too. Yeah. Yes, it did. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's always a challenge. It's always a challenge. So, um, are you aware of anything that took place at uh, this uh, this past tournament uh, that uh, you know indicates that there was some sort of threat or anything like that? I think there was one case that I heard about. Yeah, there was a kid who um, on one of the teams over at the West Side Aquatic Center. Um, I believe that he had dinner with his grandparents on Saturday night, and then he came and played a game on Sunday morning, and then he found out that his that his uh, his non immediate family had tested positive and uh, yeah, for COVID. And then he let everybody know. They let the people know the game was, um, he did not go back for his second game of the day. Um, and uh, everybody was told about the situation that happened. So I thought everybody reacted very, very well. Um, and, um, and it was the right decision. So well, the right decision in the sense that uh, you, it's, it's a sign that people are taking this seriously. So exactly. yeah, the statistics might say that, you know, the chances of the transmission are really low, but in some ways it doesn't matter. Like you need to indicate to both your facility, to your team, to your parents and et cetera, that you're taking this seriously. So my understanding is that they, what they suspended the game and rightfully so. And once they found out that the, you know, one of these, one of the teams could theoretically be infected and, uh, and that's going to do a lot to continue to promote the safety of these tournaments uh, coming up, I would say, right? Yeah, and that was a tournament host and, and facility decision. So Very good. Okay. And which was probably the right decision to, you had to make. It sucks for the athletes that, that were there that don't get to play, but you know, this, this is the day and time we have to do. We have to adjust and adapt. Don't you think it's one of the interesting things about these tournaments that we've been to so far is that the moaning and complaining that takes place is the is normal. You know what I mean? Like it's this referee made this call, or you know, the, my schedule's too early in the morning, or whatever. It's not. You know, I can't believe they're making my team go wear masks on the bench like that. I never heard that a single time. Nothing like that. I didn't. I didn't hear that, but I did see some teams that weren't doing it, and then they were told you need to do it, and then they would roll their eyes. But so, I think that's a little different. I mean, I understand why you wouldn't want to, but I never saw anybody yeah. who was just like, "No, I'm not wearing it." Or I understand if you really don't want to and you don't agree with the rules, right. but you signed up your tournament. Here are the rules. Precisely. Follow the rules. Precisely. Like, I had a couple developmental teams that played this past weekend, and I simply said, "We are not going to be that team that gets told to wear your masks." So. You were going to wear, like, just make sure you, like, the kids, the coaches, you're, yeah, like, you're wearing the mask, you're following the rules, you're doing everything that we need to do. Yeah. Period. My kids and, would just forget. I'd put them on the bench and they would forget. I'm like, hey, put on your mask. And that was that. Well, I actually had an assistant coach for each of the teams, and part of their job was to make sure people put their masks on. I noticed. I noticed. Um, just to cut, just sort of round this out, a couple things. One is I actually have a paper sitting right on my desktop right here um, from a 
chemical engineer in the, in Idaho who's also the head coach for a water polo club who has a study that's entitled Coronavirus and Environmental Consideration for Aquatic Sports. I intend to do something with this piece probably on total water polo um, because I also want to put it out there that I'm looking for survey respondents. I'm going to be pushing out a survey at some point which essentially just asks um, about awareness of whether any infections can reasonably be attributed to practices, game situations, tournaments, etc. And because because here's you and I have talked about this before, I think I have not, I'm not heard a single person claim that this uh, that a water polo athlete, a parent, or whomever picked this up during an event. And that's again, I'm not saying that hasn't happened at all. I just haven't heard it. So I would like to put this out there to make sure that uh, we've got this this issue covered and throughout the entire U.S., not just Texas. Yeah, I mean, and I think that yeah, that sort of of gathering of the of the information is going to be great for everybody. Did, have you heard anything? Because I just haven't. No, yeah, not yet. No. I mean, you, you just you just talked about a case that took place over the tournament over the weekend, um, where this player picked it up was is uncertain, but it doesn't. No, nobody has made the claim that it took place. At a, at a practice or whatever. I just, I just haven't heard it. Nope. I haven't heard anything and, uh, I don't anticipate to hear kind of, kind of anything. I mean, oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's just one of those things where unfortunately I'm going to talk about this in the second segment, but you know, um, it's, it's, it's placed on the tier two list of NCAA sports or whatever. No and, top um, tier. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah. Don't like like the top tier list, but it's, yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, Knock on wood, we were very, we were, we were very fortunate about the Central Texas Festival that there were no like specific issues kind of from that. I haven't heard anything about the Utah tournament. I've heard, and so far I have not heard anything specifically where somebody uh, contracted a virus at the at the Texas Challenge Cup right. or the um, or the uh, what's it called um the uh, like like the one in Florida. Yeah. So um, these are not super spreader events. These are not spreader events at all. From so, our understanding, yes. And I mean, yeah, we're very unscientific people here. So um it's just uh-huh. it's just one of those things where I do believe that, you know, these tournaments are being run responsibly and there's and there are good there are good people with um with with that are doing the tournaments for the right reasons. And I think that everybody's doing their due diligence and making sure that, you know, that they run it right. And that's part of making it successful and that's part of us getting back into the pool on, on a regular basis. I thought your degree was in engineering. No, it was in biomedical science. Oh, you're the one who's saying that we're not scientific and you have a degree in biomedical science? Yeah, and I've coached for the last 25 years, so there you go, James. <laughs> Look, my, my, I, have a, I have a degree in political science, and uh, everybody who has any sort of perspective on this at all knows that there's basically nothing scientific about it at all. So there you go. All right, on to the second segment. Yeah, the, I'll be, we'll return with my rant about the NCAA right after this. All of TX Water Polo is brought to you advertising free, and we'd like to keep it that way. So we're asking for your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give so we can keep covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr. And when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast.
Okay, so we uh, we missed out on something, or at least one thing, on the in our first segment. First of all, is um, results. <laughs> the uh, what was the most uh, surprising or maybe like noteworthy result from Texas Challenge Cup? Do you, what do you think? I think Pegasus whooped up in the eight hundred boys. Pegasus whooping up, yeah. I, uh, I I think that they are, they are a, a legit team, and that's not to say that the that they wouldn't be otherwise, but. I think that the one of the themes that we saw was that there are these teams that have very, very good reputations from California that are coming into town, and um, they're encountering teams here that are pretty darn good. I mean, I, th- I, I think it's been a surprise to some of them. I'm not sure about that, um, but I, I, I think that the results kind of speak for themselves as well. Yeah, I mean, that and um, I mean... I think just Coach, yeah, just Coach Spencer and the whole crew over at Pegasus have, has kind of done a, a great job of just keeping the kids busy during the whole quarantine period. They've yeah. been they've been kind of in the water and swimming training the whole time. Yeah, and kids have been swimming. So um, I didn't get to see their game specifically, but I just I just saw the results. I mean, another kind of surprising thing is I mean, or it's not really surprising, but you but yeah, but you kind of look at the results like well yeah like the uh, quote unquote out of state teams right. The top, yeah, the top four um, of the eighteen and under boys teams are Pegasus, Thunder, Southside, and Viper Vision. Right. The next four are the out of state teams. Yep. You would think that the out of state teams would come here and go, "Oh my God, we're gonna beat everybody." This is not good. <laughs> we, so we, we know there's some of them. Yeah. I think yeah. That. And uh, was it? Um. And I just glad that they're coming out here and they're getting challenged. And hopefully they go back and go, "Hey, well, hey, listen, if you go there, you're gonna get some good games, and there are some good teams there." And um, I just hope that this continues once everybody goes back to quote unquote normal that everybody wants to come like like wants to come out and keep playing us for sure um and of course you can attribute to their performance maybe to the fact that they're, that they're out of shape or whatever so be it but uh i don't think so i think it was a full straight up uh a fair fight um 18 and under boys pegasus uh, 18 and under girls viper pigeon 16 and under boys thunder black uh, 14 and under co-ed Pegasus Blue and uh, 12 and unders Viper Pigeon. Those are your tournament champions. So there you go. Um, what else? Let's see. Uh, <laughs> published a piece in Total Water Polo earlier this week that was a straight news story, essentially, which said that the NCAA had determined that the water polo was a high-risk sport, their, their term, not mine. Um, and the thing that I noticed was that the lacrosse had effectively lobbied the NCAA to remove them from the high risk list and put them on the intermediate risk list. And which is absurd for all the reasons that you and I have been talking about chlorinated water, the exposures isn't, aren't that long, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the, the results of that mean that those teams that are competing are being recommended very strongly to adhere to a very strict regimen of testing as opposed to other sports. So it does have an effect, but it's also a reputational thing as far as I can see. And, and, it's, and it's also inconsistent with what other organizations are saying, like the NFHS has placed it as a medium risk or something like that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where... Um, yeah, I'm just disappointed that it's up there with those other sports. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I think it's short-sighted. I think there is some international studies. Granted, it's back in March and April, the, like the last studies that came out and that's old news, right? Um, I'd be interested to get a link to that article that you were talking about, the guy from Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we can, and, and then we can share that, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be, 
There are there are teams that are choosing not to play right now, and that's unfortunate. I think so too. The Italian study was by the Olympic Committee in Italy, and uh, yes, it was early in. Well, it was when they were getting hit very hard, so I think their incentive was pretty high for them to pu- push something out there. And it was also the result of a survey study. A, a survey. So they surveyed. I'm going to call them directors of sports at uh, different organizations. They're basically club directors. And, and, you know, in Europe, they're a little more stovepipe, meaning that each club isn't not just a water polo club. It's a basketball and soccer and so on and so forth. And so they basically were asked to rate how likely it was or, or how safe each sport was, how, how high the risk was. And of all the team sports, water polo was the least risky. And that, that, to me, makes sense. It's not to say that it's as safe as swimming or tennis you know where you're just really you don't have any contact whatsoever but uh, if you're going to play a team sport it would seems to make sense to me that you would want to do it in uh, in chlorinated water yeah and i mean and i think probably a lot of the teams in the ncaa play indoors yes right. i know i like like out in california a lot of them play outdoors but a lot of them overall throughout the country do play indoors and just the indoor outdoor thing is probably the a factor in what's in what's in what's making it happen and um but yeah i mean i believe that uh was it johns hopkins and mit already said they're not playing right correct ivy league yeah and then was it the ivy leagues correct have chosen that they're not going to do any that's sports right this yep. year F- at all. Uh, fall or winter right exactly um so um yeah and that's i mean i the good thing as, as water polo is concerned though is I believe that we're on a very good footing as far as the overall aspect of like, there's not a, yes, we've lost, you know, one or two programs out there, but there are, there are sports that are dropping like flies at at these schools, but water polo is hanging on at these schools and they are not going to be going away. And that's a very good thing for the future of water polo in the, uh, in, in, in NCAA. It might be a little difficult right now. I'm hoping that we have at least a women's season this year. So I'd hate to I'd hate to see the women not have a season for two years, uh, kind of running. Right, right. But you know, it's one of those things where um, I believe that we're in a good position to come out of this even better. Not just at the NCAA level, but also at the club level, at the USA Water Polo level, at the high school level. I think that this has made everybody kind of look a little kind of kind of inward and rethink about how they do things, and how they go about um, uh, and how they go about kind of, you know, kind of running their club, kind of, kind of what pool they use. And I mean, and I think it's only going to, it's going to make us stronger. I hope you're right. Because I think it's going to knock, it'd be a knock to the sport for a couple of years at the very least. Like, but, I, it's a I, knock, but it's a knock to all sports. I understand, but we're talking about this sport, right? And so yeah. I, it may not be as uh, severe a shock to other sports, but I mean, I, you and I have had these conversations before. I find the NCAA water polo experience to be very precarious. Like, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like in 10 years. I'm less worried about it at the high school level and most definitely less worried about it at the club level. I think that's probably where the, most of the growth is going to take place. But I have an eye open on NCAA water polo all the time. And the numbers are good as far as they're right. They, they even added programs in the midst of this pandemic. So that's a good sign. But they also lost programs. So uh, my, my eyes are always peeled for that kind of thing. Yeah, it's I am. I am. I'm looking forward to seeing any college water polo this year. No kidding. Um, and uh, was it um, it's going to be via yeah, kind of watching on, on, on my computer. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's going to be it's it, it's going to be fun. Um, 
I'm just, you know, I don't know under, how fun it's going to be, but yeah. Uh, everything changes almost yeah. on a daily basis now. Yeah. And, you know, and you can even talk about like, you know, we talk about California sometimes, but you know, the, like the CIF, they haven't like, they haven't done any sports yet. Right. Exactly. None. Like the UIO here has, yeah, has started sports. So that's positive for us out there that they have, they haven't started sports yet. And I mean, and they're going to keep like I think I heard somebody say that they're going to keep kind of kicking it on down the road a little bit, right? And everyone's going to wait till the last last minute to make their decisions, and that's what they need to do. You yep. know, you need to get as much information as possible to make your decision, and that's the same thing that we're doing here. Everybody asks me, so is tags going to happen? I go, I hope so. I think so. Yeah, and I'm planning on it until I'm told no. Right. But we could be told no the Thursday before, the Friday before. Yeah. That's, That's right. not exactly what I want to do, but that was the same way for the Texas Challenge Cup. That's that right. Was the same way for the Utah tournament. That, that was the same way for the Florida tournament. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah, so. it really is. Okay, let's uh, let's men- make mention of ODP. Um, the what is it? The it's the last clinic of the of the year twenty twenty. Can you wait to turn the uh, calendar to 2021? I'm not a big superstition guy, so it like doesn't really matter what the number of the year is, but it would be nice to turn the page. Um, yeah, so those that don't know, the last camp is in Louisville. In clinic. North Texas. Clinic. You have to call clinic. it a clinic. And there are 120 athletes out there. Yep. And I believe that you're going to have a parent meeting Q&A next Tuesday, right? Yeah, that's what you've told me that I have to do, so that's what I'm doing. No. <laughs> Every... Yeah session that we have the head coach for odp goes up in the stands typically and talks to all the parents about what the program is about and so on we did that via zoom i actually thought zoom is probably the better way to do it honestly um so we did that for part of the first camp in round rock back in september wow september that's hard to believe um so we will do the same thing prior to the camp that it, or the clinic that is taking place in Louisville on the 29th. What did we say? Tuesday? Tuesday 7 or 7 or 30? Tuesday remember. at 7 o'clock, and 7 you will o'clock. be emailing out to everybody that is attending I will. the clinic. I will be emailing out to everybody. That's what I, that's what I wanted to say autonomously. Um, and then others have had questions about what the rest of the ODP season looks like. So, yes, we canceled um, the clinic that was – very uh, honestly it was very tentative that we we're going to have this tournament or tournament this uh, clinic in Pearland on the 22nd it didn't work out which is totally fine um, but what we've been given is some more latitude about uh, just even the sheer number of clinics or events that we do so you can expect to see things on the calendar probably beginning in January and most definitely um, after that as well so um, there's going to be more stuff and, uh, it's just a matter of waiting for us to solidify those events. That's all. Yeah. Okay. I think. That's oh, okay. we also have the Texas development summit and the Texas coaches Academy on, on Saturday, November 28th. That's not on my show notes. I don't, I don't see that on my show notes. I don't think we can talk about that. Okay. I guess you just did. And I, we already have about 20 people signed up for both. So I'm sure oh, cool. there'll be a whole lot more oh, okay. that, yeah, that sign up between now and then. Good. So. Yeah, we're going to get out of here. There's no interview this week. We uh, did uh, two interviews of co- California coaches in the fa- past uh, couple weeks, but this week I think we're just going to take a small break from that. So I think we're done, Joe. Anything else? No, all good. Uh, all thanks, good. James. All right, thank you very much, Joe. Thanks, everyone, for listening and for telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Podcast. And uh, continued thanks to our donors who keep us afloat. And if you want to contribute, go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give. By the way, I was approached by somebody who wanted to advertise on the site. It's extremely flattering to know that, the, that this person thought that the 
the site was good a good channel for his or her product um so, but yeah yeah so yeah so i want to so i guess they want to sell to the tens of people that go to your website Ten, oh an insult hey it's your website too like the, know, how much content is yours man <laughs> I get until it. you start up that other one yeah that competitive I'm self i'm proud i'm trying to be self-deprecating <laughs> yeah. uh so i'm flattered by that but no we're we're gonna depend and continue to depend on gifts and donations and so on so uh, much appreciation for all of that but until next week so long from austin of TWP Sports, LLC.